Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. What's up, TC? How you guys doing this morning? Come on. Man, it's 2022. How many guys know New Year, New Me, maybe? Maybe New Year, Old Me? I don't know. I, don't, I forget. I've given up on trying to figure this out. How many guys already in your mind is like, man, I, I got some goals for this year. And we got a few things you want to accomplish this year. Seven, eight, nine. Okay. Now, how do you guys got some stuff? It's like this year, I, I at least want it to be better than last year. And definitely better than the year before that. All right. So we all got goals. We've got dreams, like ambitions, resolutions. But some of us are going to have a hard time going into 2022 because some of us are about to try to go into 2022 carrying some stuff from 2021 and 2020. So turn your neighbor and say, I don't want to do that. Come on, say it like you believe it. One more time. Turn the person you just neglected on the other side of you. Say, I don't want to do that. All right. Because here's the deal. We, we may be coming in and subconsciously, unintentionally, some of us, I believe, have given up on the life that God wants for us. Like, here's what I think one of the dangerous traps we could fall into is, Right. I believe one of the dangerous traps we could fall into is existing but not living. Like where you wake up, you go to work, you come home, you eat dinner, you watch Netflix, right? Uh, they keep raising the prices. It might be Hulu. I don't know. But like you, you turn on something, you watch TV, you go to sleep, you wake up, you go to work, you come home, you eat, you watch it. Like, and, and I believe for some of us, one of the greatest temptations is that we would find ourselves surviving. We would find ourselves existing, but are we really living? Because here's the deal. God has a life for you. Hold on. I want to make sure you got that because there wasn't enough amens for that. God has a life for you. And it's bigger than just where you're at. And so what I, what I want you to understand is that, man, God has something for you, a life that he wants us to live, us, all of us, me, you, each one. And here's the question that I had for you. What are you believing for this year? I want you to think about that. What are you believing for this year? Is it thriving or is it just more surviving? So turn your neighbor and say, I want to thrive. Now, if you don't believe that yet, maybe you need to reconcile internally. I don't know. But like, grab a hold of it. Man, I want, I want to thrive. So I want to take you to Mark chapter 9, and we're going to start there, but then we're going to move over to the book of Job, because I want to help you understand something before we get into what I want to talk to you about. Because here's what I think. I think for many people, again, we've either consciously or subconsciously, so we've either made the decision to do this, or we've just had, life has drifted us this way. How many guys know, how many guys have ever been fishing before? Anybody ever been fishing? All right, so some people really enjoy that. Um, I really like catching. Personally, I don't care much for fishing. You know what I'm saying? So, like, if you can go to that spot where, like, no sooner than it gets in the water, you're pulling a fish in, I'll stay there all day. One of the biggest reasons I don't go deep sea fishing is because after the second hour mark where I'm done with it, there's still seven more hours. And, like, they're not going back just because you're ready. You know what I'm talking about? So it's like... So someone asked me, someone asked me recently, you want to go deep sea fishing? I was like, you've been around me a long time. What part of me makes you think I want to go deep sea fishing? Right? 
But if you've ever been in a boat before, you've seen it to where you stopped at one spot because that's where you wanted to be. But how many guys know it didn't take long for you to be up in in a totally different spot? Because life, like the currents, makes you drift. And so we got to become intentional about where we're trying to be. But because life makes us drift away from where we're trying to be, sometimes we can be convinced that there's nothing better for us. But I want to show you something. In Mark chapter 9, 23 through 24, there's a, a man, he comes to Jesus, and his son is sick. And so he, he brings his son to Jesus, and, and he says, can you heal him? Matter of fact, in verse 23, 24, it says, if you can do anything, say if you can. Come on, say it like you believe it. If you can. If you can do anything, this is the father talking to Jesus, take pity on us and help us. Jesus responds to him, but Jesus said, if you can. I love this. Because Jesus is like, like this, is, this would be a meme. You know what I'm talking about? Like, this would, he's like, if you can, Jesus said, if you can. But what does it say, right? All things are possible for one who believes. Say believes. And immediately the, boy, the boy's father cried out and said, check this out. Are you ready? I do believe. Help my unbelief. Because how many of us are, have gone through some seasons in life where we're saying, all right, God, I do believe. But there's something in here that if I were being honest, I just don't know. How many of us would be honest and say, I I do believe that you've got something for me. I just don't know if I want it. Oh, seven of us are honest. How many of us would say, the last couple years were in your control, God, and those didn't quite pan out the way I thought? Anybody? So how many of us could agree and say, I do believe, but there's part of me that, God, I need you to help my unbelief. And today I want to talk to you about this idea Help my unbelief. Because here's the thing, I want you to believe wholeheartedly in your bones that God's got something for you this year. Like, I want you to get it down where pizza goes at 3 o'clock in the morning when you wake up after you ate it. You know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, right there. Indigestion. I want you to get it like, like you believe it more than you believe anything. I want you to believe it like you believe that Cinnamon Toast Crunch is the best cereal ever made. That's not a negotiation. That is a fact. So if you're on that Fruity Pebbles train, there's an exit there, there, there. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I had that conversation the other day. Someone said corn pops. I said, get out. Get out. We're not even, not even doing that. Help my unbelief. Because I'm, I'm having a hard time with this. Help my unbelief because what I need looks bigger than your capabilities, God. Help my unbelief because I don't know if you're going to come through the way I want you or need you to come through. Help my unbelief in the area. Because here's the deal. How many guys know it doesn't take much to believe for the areas that are going well? Like you just got a promotion. Things are good. You're not believing God in that job. Can we be honest? Come on, don't get self-righteous. Like how, many, how many of y'all know sometimes we don't thank God for everything because some things are going well. We don't think to think about him in the things that are going well. So I don't need help in my belief for the things 
that are already fixed, I need help in my life for the things that I don't know if they're going to go the way I want or not. Help my unbelief in the ways that I don't know if you're quite going to do that. I want to take you to a story. The book of Job. We're going to go to Job chapter 1. And we're just going to pick up right there at verse 1 because it gives us an understanding of what's happening. All right, In the land of Uz there lived a man whose name was Job. Say Job. All right, so there's not a book of Job in the Bible, okay? There was, there was a man named Job. This man was blameless and upright, and he feared God and shunned evil, all right? So the Bible goes out of, our, out of its way to tell us this is a guy that's trying to do the best he can, all right? He had seven sons and three daughters, God bless him, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys. Now listen, I'm no farmer, but I think that's a lot. So like, I don't know. Okay, so he had a large number of servants, and he was the greatest man among all the people of the East. All right? Then in verse 6, one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? In other words, he's saying, what are you doing here? Like, why, why are you, what, what is it you've been up to? And Satan answered the Lord from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. What he was saying is, I've been looking. I, I, I've been looking for something for me to do. I don't know if he was bored or what. He said, I've, I've been looking for something to do, someone to try. And this is God's response. I, show, I gave you all of this to show you God's response in verse 8. Then the Lord said to Satan, all right, you ready? Have you considered my servant Job? Bro, if I was Job, (laughs) what are we doing? I would tell God to go back and read verse (laughs) 1. Blameless, upright, feared God, shunned evil. God's like, perfect. Have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on the earth like him. He's blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. So let me get this straight. When you're doing all the right things, you get tested. I don't like that at all. Like, how many of us in our prayer life have been like, God, I'm doing all the right things. Why does this keep happening to me? Six, seven, the rest of you are liars. <laughs> How many ever been like, God, why? anybody ever been in the why is this happening to me camp? I'm praying every day. Okay, most days. Like I'm trying to read, I'm trying to, I'm trying. What is it? How many of you guys ever heard the phrase, God won't put more on you than you can bear? What a lie. How many of you have been like, I think I'm testing that theory. Right? Listen, I want you to grab a hold of this. This is in your notes, but I'm going to give it to you for free. Testing is how your level of promotion is determined. So when we're getting tested, that's how God is determining what we're ready for in the next season. See, we think that tests are God leaving us. No, tests are God testing us to see what we're ready for in the next season. How many guys... Well, that's probably not good because the corporate world is weird. But 
How many of you guys have ever been in a corporate space where someone was getting promotion after promotion after promotion and they were worthless at their job? Right? And what was your response? I'm over here killing myself. And I, I ain't got to raise. As a matter of fact, I take half a day off and everyone freaks out. This clown misses two days a week for six months and no one says anything to him. Now, if you don't know anyone at work like that, perhaps... Okay, You're like I take two days a week off and no one says anything. It's like, well, we talking about you? No, okay. So, but but all that to say is, people that are tested are the ones that get promotions, or at least it should be. Maybe not your job, but it's the ones that are trusted that get promoted. But the only way to know that they're trusted is to be tested. And so when we get tested, it doesn't mean you have to like it, but it should mean that it changes how we approach it and we believe for bigger things in the middle of our tests, right? I want to help you. So Satan tells God if he can take everything away from Job. So I'm skipping some passages for the sake of time. Satan says, all right, God, if I can take everything away from Job, he'll, he'll curse you. He'll deny you. And so God lets it happen. I feel like God could be like, no, that's not true, and let it ride, but then that wouldn't be in the Bible. So then Job loses everything. All of his children die. All of his animals are stolen or they die. He loses everything. As a matter, matter of fact, his wife tells him to curse God and die. And y'all are like, this is a great New Year's sermon. I'm really encouraged by this. The reason I told you this story, and we're going to move through it, if there's anyone in the Bible we can look at and go, he had a reason to be mad. It's this guy. Because how many guys know pain has a way of shutting our eyes to faith? Come on, we're talking about believing for something. How many guys know pain has a way of shutting our eyes to faith? Right? Matter of fact, I put it in your notes like this. Pain has a way of taking us from I know you can to if you can. Come on. Pain has a way of taking us from I know you can to God, if you can. And Jesus' response to that is, if I can. Anything's possible for those who, what was that last word? Believes, right? So here's the thing. Anybody been through seasons where like, yo, I got questions. Come on, one more time. Anybody? I got questions. Where are the I got questions people at? All right. Going into 2022, this is what I want to give you. Ready? I want to give you three things about believing. The first thing I want you to grab a hold of is believing means letting go. Believing means letting go. Like, you're going to have to let go of what's behind you to grab a hold of what's in front of you. Right? At some point, you can't catch what's being thrown at you if you're still holding on to what you're carrying. So you got to put something down to pick something up. Believing again means letting go. Philippians 3, 13 and 14 says it like this. I focus on this one thing. Paul's talking. He says, forgetting the past. Say forgetting. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. And there's three words in there that are so important. I press on. Have you been through some rough stuff lately? Yes. 
I press on. Has your job situation been fluent ever since COVID? Yeah, but guess what? I press on. Your marriage rocky? Fair enough. I press, like, man, what is it that we're believing for this year that whatever it is that's behind us has to stop changing how we see what's in front of us? We have to start seeing differently. So this is Job's response to suffering and loss. You ready? Job's response is this. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrongdoing. In other words, what that text means, he says, The Lord gives it to me, the Lord took it away. If the Lord is the one that gave it, I can't be upset when he took it away because it was his to start with. How many guys know that can be a hard thing to live? That can be a a thing to say, but to live it is hard. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all of this, he never once let his heart charge God with something. Instead saying, Whatever God has for me is what I'm supposed to have. And what if we went into this year saying, God, I can't change what I lost. I'm thankful for what I got. The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How how different would it change our framing? And the next thing I want you to understand, believing means letting go, but then believing starts with trusting again. Believing starts with trusting again. Say trusting. Come on, say it one more time. If you believe it, say trusting. Believing starts with trusting again. The assumption is that if God was really in control, none of this would have went the way it went. Like the assumption for some of us is like, man, if God really loved me, I wouldn't have gone through some of the things that I've gone through. If if God really cared about me, then I wouldn't have navigated the pain that I navigated. Listen, the reality is this. I'm going to tell you it's because God is in control that you made it through all that you made it through. Let me say that again because I want you to get it. It's because God is in control that you made it through what you made it through. But some people didn't. Like some people didn't make it through the last couple years. Some people didn't come out with perseverance. Some people didn't come out with faith. Some people's faith ran out. Some people lost their confidence. Some people weren't sure about what God is going to do. Listen, I'm here to tell you today, the fact that you're here means God got you through it. Come on, that should generate something in us. The fact that you're here means God got you through it. Like, whatever is going on in your life, God got you here, and he could have left you back there. The fact that you woke up this morning saying, you know what, I think I want to go to the house of the Lord. I want to go to church. I want to go to transformation. The, the fact that you came in here, you could sing some songs about the goodness and, and of God and believing for it means God is still alive in your life, which means we have something to be excited and to celebrate about because we're clinging to God in a way that we know he's going to carry us even when we can't walk ourselves. And that should do something in us. Here, I want you to understand this. Your pain is not the measuring stick of God's goodness. Perseverance is. Let me say that again. Your pain is not the measuring stick of God's goodness. Perseverance is. How many guys have experienced pain? Anybody ever experienced pain to the degree you were doubting God's goodness? Right? But here's the deal. Pain isn't the measuring stick of God's goodness. The fact that you woke up the next day and you could keep going shows you how good God is. Because if it wasn't for God carrying us, there would be nothing left. But God continues to show up. Without him, hear me, 
we wouldn't have made it this far. Turn to your neighbor and say, I wouldn't have made it. Without him, I wouldn't have made it, right? And so I want to take you to the end of the story of Job because I want to give you something. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job. All right, so just to be clear, we gave you chapter 1, and then we jumped to chapter 42. There's a lot that happens in between. 40 chapters worth of a lot of crying, and then some friends show up, and they're not very helpful because how many guys know when you're going through something, a lot of times friends ain't helpful at all. What you need to do is shut up. Right? So the friends show up. But in, verse, or in chapter 42, because Job's heart towards God stayed right, and the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Now, that's really encouraging. It's like, oh, man, double. But let me ask you this question. Does it mean that Job ever forgot what he lost? Or does it just mean that Job got double what he had? Because for many of us, we have to navigate the waters of remembering what we lost while enjoying what we have. And for so many of us, we're choosing not to enjoy what we have because of what we lost. And I'm here to tell you today, you can do both. Anybody ever heard like, just forget about the past? Anybody ever tried it? Kind of follows you around, doesn't it? Like an annoying toddler, right? It's always there. But hear me, I'm not telling you to forget about the past. I'm saying remember the past while you enjoy the promise. You can enjoy today while you remember yesterday. So I'm not telling you forget it. I'm telling you appreciate what you have. And he gave him twice as much. And hear me, some of you are believing in God for something right now in this season. You're believing in God for something right now. As we go into 21 days of prayer, here's what I want you to do. There's a prayer card in the seat back in front of you. At some point throughout the service, I want you to grab it, and I want you to write your prayer down. What is it you're believing God for? And at the end of this service, you're going to have a chance. You're just going to come up here, and you're going to lay it on, <clears throat> on the stage. And over the next 21 days, every morning at prayer, we're going to lay hands on your prayer card, and we're going to pray for you about what you're believing God for. Because we want to see miracles happening in this house. We want to see God moving in this house. Can I get a better amen than that? <laughs> People of expectation. We want to see God moving, which brings me to uh, my last point. Believing is the first step to taking ground. Believing is the first step to taking ground. So what are you believing for this year? Are you believing for real faith this year? Not just an idea of something that would be cool, but I'm really trusting God to do blank. What is it you're believing God for? Because I want you to put that on that prayer card. I want you to write that down here in just a few minutes. Is it your business? You're expecting God to do something in your business. You're finally launching it. You're expecting him to, you're looking for him. You're hoping, you're believing that he's going to do these things. Is it your marriage? You're believing, all right, God, I, I want a better marriage. I have to have a better marriage. I need a better marriage. You're going to write that down. Is it other relationships? Is it, is it investments? Is it other things? Your degree, your education? Is it location? Is it about moving? Whatever it is, what are you believing God for? Because we want to help pray for that for you this year so that we see God do miraculous things. Hebrews 11. 11, 1 says it like this, faith is the confidence in what we hope for. Say hope for. Does that mean you have it yet? No. 
Are we hoping for it? Yes. It's the confidence of what we hope for with the assurance about what we don't even see yet. So some people want to see it so they can believe it. But that's not how that works, right? So how do I believe in something I can't see? How do I believe in something I can't see? How do I exercise faith in that? Well, here's the thing I want you to grab a hold of. I'm going to share a story with you from a pastor that I know because his story is so powerful about what it looks like to believe even through a season when you can't see. Go ahead and roll the video, guys. A sister wrote me a note at one time, and her, her question was, can you find a God of mercy in the book of Job? And I, I wrote her back, and I said, yes, I think I can. God could have left Job alone. Years ago, I suffered an injury to my voice. At the time, I was a pastor and a worship leader. And uh, since that time, my strength is very small. It's painful for me to speak, so I, I have about an hour a day that I can manage. And then the pain shuts me down, so you can all do the math. When this happened to me, it threw me into crisis in pretty much every department of my life. Threw me into professional crisis. What does a pastor do that can't talk? What does a worship leader do that can't sing? I found myself in a theological crisis. God, how can I be loving you, serving you, giving you my life, giving you my best? Walking in obedience, walking in faith and love, pouring my life out for the gospel and take a hit like this. I didn't have a theology for that. I found myself in the darkest place of my life. Nobody had any answers and all I had was this. For five years or so, my prayer life was basically three words. I love you. I don't understand you, but I love you. Over and over, just giving him my love in the darkest place in my life. I've discovered it's the most powerful thing you can do. God could have left Job alone. He could have said, have your bickering wife, have your ten wayward children, have your safe little world, have your little bubble. But the Lord said, Job, I love you too much to leave you to yourself. 
I love you too much to leave you to the smallness of what you know. But if God had not interrupted Job's life, and if Job had not walked through a living hell, we would never have heard of the man. But because it all shook down, and he stood and said, I love you. I worship you. In his darkest hour, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Psalm 11, verse 5. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked his soul hates. So if you're righteous, he tests you. And if you're wicked, he leaves you alone. The last thing you want is for God to leave you alone. Lord, do not leave me alone. I have got to know you. I have got to see you. I have got to have you. And I want everything you've got for me. Lord, do not leave me to myself. Interrupt my life if you have to. Test me if you have to. But come to me. Visit me. Reveal yourself to me. There's a powerful story there. His name is Bob Sorge. He's actually... Uh, an author of a number of books that I read when it comes to worship. And I, when I watched that video, I knew for some of you it could connect because for some of us, we're coming through the past however long in our lives and we're going, I, don't, I just don't get it, man. And I'm here to tell you today that if you hadn't gone through what you went through, people never would have heard of you. And it's not about you, but it is about your story. Because it's your story that God wants to use to change people's lives. We can all think of someone right now that their story impacted us so deeply that it changed us. And God wants to do that with your life. But to do that, it means letting go and seeing again. It means believing. Believing that God's going to do something with some of this stuff that I just don't understand. Right? So how do I believe in something I can't see? Well, it's actually pretty simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. When you believe it, you're choosing to see it even when you can't see it. When you're believing, you're saying, all right, I'm going to choose. All right, God, I'm believing that this is going to be real. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm believing in it. When we're believing, we're believing even when we can't see it. But my question for you as we wrap up is sometimes, I don't know about you, I have a hard time seeing God. Anybody? Hard time seeing God? And I remember in this one particular moment of my life, 
I was having a hard time seeing God. Matter of fact, I started putting God on trial. I don't know if you've ever done this, but I've done this. Where I became the judge and God was on trial in my courtroom of life. I'm holding the gavel. I've got the degree. I'm sitting on the high chair and I'm looking at all the things I feel like God should be doing differently and telling him how he should be doing things the way I think he should be doing things. Now, I know none of you have ever felt this way. But I was sitting up on the chair, metaphorically, and God gave me, I wouldn't call it a vision, but he let me see something. God says, so you're going to be my judge. And in, my, in the audacity that I had in that moment, I was like, yes. I don't know where that boldness came from. I have no idea. But I was like, yes, because I feel like you should be doing things differently. And he said, if you were holding a gavel, who do you think nurtured the tree and brought the tree up to grow so that you could cut it down to make the gavel that you're holding? Who do you think brought the fabric into the fields that your degree would be printed on if you were the one that was going to judge me? Who do you think nurtured the trees that would build the chair that you would sit on to judge me as God of all creation? Who do you think put all this into motion? You don't get to judge me. He said, I'm the one that controls everything, but Here's what he told me. If you would trust me with everything, you would see how I make all things work together for the good of those who love me and are called according to my purpose. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. And that's when I came to Psalms 19.1. The heavens declare the glory of God. Right? The skies proclaim the works of his hands. And today I want to invite you into the space where you start believing God for more. So I ask the question one more time. What are you believing God for? What are you believing God for? In your life, what is it? Because that's what we're going to believe God for today. But before we can believe God for anything, some of us need to believe God for our faith. Some of us feel so far from God because we don't know God. So I just want to invite you, and I want to invite you to close your eyes all across this place. And today, if you need to know him, today, if Jesus is not the Lord of your life, but you need him to be, then today, I want to invite you to say yes to giving your life to Jesus. Sin separates us from God, but Jesus gave us a way back. And today, if you're ready to put your faith in him, to know him, then I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me and the whole church is going to pray with you so you're not praying by yourself. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me my wrongs. Make me clean and make me whole. I believe that you died for me So I give you my life. Make me brand new. Give me a fresh start. In Jesus' name. Come on, say with me. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. TC, let's put our hands together for all those that prayed that perhaps for the first time.